is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, gang, let's do this. Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily here on the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel, live on YouTube, streaming every day, Monday to Friday at 1 p.m., and in your favorite podcast feed for your drive home by 3 o'clock, I'm Andrew Hustler-Patterson, welcoming in Michael Remus. We've got a big, big show today. Pack, Jets, Habs tonight, Bell MTS Place. little revenge on the mind of the home squad after uh, dropping a 4-2 loss to kick off the week against the Habs on Monday before they head to Edmonton tomorrow and Saturday night. Very busy week for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll uh, discuss the Jets tonight's game, as well as the club's performance through the first half of the season. Coming up with our pal Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press in about eh, 10 minutes or so. Now, at 1.45, we're going to keep it local um, and keep it on the ice and talk Winnipeg ice. Jake Heisinger, the uh, vice president and director of Hockey Ops, will join us from the bubble as the ice get ready for game number three of the season. One and one so far on the year. Um, and, you know, some news today from the ice. Their star defenseman, Carson Lambos, one of the top prospects for this upcoming NHL draft, an unprecedented NHL draft considering what we've been through over the course of the past year, um, has left the team coming back to Winnipeg for a medical procedure. So we'll get the latest on Lambos, the team, um, as well Got to give a shout out to our old pal Kevin Olszewski, who's involved with the radio broadcast for the Winnipeg Ice. So we'll touch on all that, head into the bubble, see how things are going for the Winnipeg Ice. And at 2 p.m., we will be heading to Buffalo, New York. Our old friend Joe Yurden covering the Sabres for many years on what has become of the Buffalo NHL franchise coming off a 12th straight loss last night to the New Jersey Devils. And... Given a pink slip to Winnipeg native, former now head coach of the Buffalo Sabres, Ralph Kruger. So we've got a very busy, busy show coming up. A um, couple things I do want to get to before we uh, bring in Michael Remus. First of all, March Madness starts tomorrow. Um, and today's St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Um, like many of us, the whole concept of time, of the Buffalo Sabres, what we're so in, we got a very busy, um, busy show coming up. lost over the past few months. I was, you know, I popped into a... See my buddy Jay over at Finn's last night, and um, they were all getting ready for a big event. I'm like, what's going on? Well, it's dude, it's St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. And, you know, credit to them and anyone else in the city that has, you know, busted their butts trying to get a fun outdoor area for people to um, maybe hoist a few with friends uh, that they don't live with. Um, and that, so that'll be happening today. Um, hopefully everyone will have a fun St. Patrick's Day, a little different than normal, but do it safely. Um, but it's March Madness, and we've got our March Madness pool. Remo, come on in. Um, let's uh, just quickly, before we get down to business of the show, um, let people know how they can get into our March Madness pool, completely free to enter. Go to, uh, most of you probably follow us on Twitter, um, at Sports Talk WPG. If you haven't seen that already, please get in there, fill out your bracket. Yes, I know, none of us have any clue. Michigan, apparently, Juwan Howard. Uh, is the head coach, former member of the Fab Five. They're the number one seed. Um, but uh, have some fun with it. We'll have some great uh, prizes from our sponsors. Uh, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Nick and Nikki DQ, and 
Royal Sports. So, um, yeah, just uh, get it. It'll be a fun little thing to follow along with. Uh, hopefully, yeah, many of you that are in the chat right now on the YouTube channel will uh, pop in. And, um, you know, there will be major bragging rights as well, some great prizes as well. And I should mention, you know, we've had great response on Twitter. You know, everyone that's been subbing and joining us on YouTube has just blown us away. Um, but we do want to get a little bit more traction. If you're on Instagram or you're on Facebook, do us a favor, throw us a, a like or a follow on both of those accounts as we try to grow our social media footprint as well. Um, uh, where's Michael Remus? Remo, um, we are going to uh, get Remo back here in just a minute. Um, he's doing some... I'm, he- I'm here, but uh, <laughs> I, I deleted uh, the scene of me and you, so I'm just reloading it. So I, I can talk, but um, if you want Excellent. to see both of us at the screen at the same time... Uh, here I can do. I, I thought can. maybe I thought maybe there was a quick deal to be made. Um, nobody ringing on your doorbell to pick up another Tyler Myers growth chart, or uh, maybe a Mickey Moose bobblehead, or something off uh, Facebook Marketplace, Reem? Uh, no, that was a very funny uh, ending moment of the show <laughs> yesterday. Where uh, look, I do a lot of been look. I cleaning out my basement. My wife. Uh, Said you got too much crap. You got to get rid of some of this stuff. Uh, there's boxes everywhere, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, sure." Um, I was. So I went through. I had these posters that had been sitting in a box for like five, six, seven years. I was like, "Okay, I can get rid of some of this stuff." Uh, I sold some cassette tapes. I've sold some VHS tapes. Uh, I sold a Richie Sambora action figure. <laughs> See- <laughs> Sealed. I just love the fact that you had a Richie Sambora action figure. Like, at what? What was the? Per- at what point was that purchased? When was like? Oh man, I gotta get this. I think uh, I was at like Toys R Us. It was like ten bucks, and I was like, yeah, I want this. Uh, and it was. I saw. I made money on it, so it was actually a pretty good investment. Us, uh, believe it or not, but it was a sealed Richie Sambora action figure. He was playing a double guitar, which probably increase the value than if he was just very playing. rare very yeah. rare double axe if he was playing a regular uh single neck guitar not worth as much oh well um anyways yeah if there's any updates on uh, the uh, the buying and selling of um the remus empire on facebook marketplace we'll give that to you but uh, we do have a lot to a lot to talk about um mentioned march madness i know you've got a pool in already um you know we've always had a lot of fun with this pool especially the first week while everybody's in and um you know obviously we're going to be able to put uh, a few treats in it for the uh, last uh, men and women standing in the pool um so really no excuse not to get in simply just go over to our twitter page click it out uh, do you have the link up on some of the other socials as well yeah we just i just uh, retweeted it i think on on our twitter page sports talk wpg i'll throw it in here uh, I'll throw it in here right now and uh, in the chat. But, yeah, if, even if you don't like March Madness and you're like, I don't know anything, nobody knows anything. It's just fun. Pick a team, you know, flip a coin, pick your favorite nickname. Uh, who cares? Get in there. Have some fun. It's fun to follow for the first two weekends, and then maybe you get out and, and lose interest, and the baseball season can start up, and you can maybe peak by that. Or that that could just be me instead of everyone else in chat. But yeah, join it. Uh, have some fun. We'll have some prizes. And I was looking at last year's pool. I think I won last year. I don't know how. I don't know anything about college basketball. So uh, that that shows you 
Uh, well, nobody does. Yeah. I mean, that, that the funniest thing is we've run these pools before, and it's always like Betty in accounting or the hardo hockey guy that claims, I never watch basketball, that somehow is all in on the final four because they have the ability to win the pool. So um, when it comes to fun pools and contests, this one is about as random as it gets. All the teams are seated. You just click away. Get, anyways, get in there. Have some fun with us. We'll follow it throughout the tournament and uh, have some great prizes for uh, who's ever winning at the end of it all. Now, we do have the Jets Habs tonight, Reem. Uh, I'm looking forward to this game tonight. Um, but, you know, I, listen, we've had a bunch of people in the comments already want a take on the the latest social media battle. And this is an interesting one. TSN and NBC's Gord Miller going at Barstool Sports, and in particular, Dave Portney. Now, I have, like, you know, with these sort of things, there's no real win in it. I mean, all you can do is, you know, come out, have a hot take, and then some people are mad at you one way or the other. So I have done everything to stay away from it. It is funny, though. Um, and, and I have to say, of all people to be wading into this, I mean, Gord Miller, of all people, um, probably the last guy that I would have expected uh, expected to do it. Um, I'll say this about Barstool. They've been incredibly successful. They did some things that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I think a lot of the accusations are exaggerated because people hate Dave Portnoy. And I get it. I mean, Portnoy is maybe one of the biggest bleep disturbers in the media. Um, and some people love him for it and some people hate him for it. Now, I mean, I think the company maybe gets unfairly brushed. I mean, they have done some incredible things for small business. But when, you know, it's always all they're sexist, they're misogynistic. They're run by women right now. I mean, Erica Nardini's the CEO. Um, so, listen, I get some of the things in their past haven't been great. I think they've done a lot as a company to maybe come around and do it. Um, and, and Dave, for, you know, it, listen, this to me more is a thing where people hate Dave Portnoy or think that he's done some things in the past that don't um, – he doesn't deserve the the success that he's having right now. Um, I mean, I'll just stay out of it other than it's mildly amusing. And the, the, the thing that is kind of funny about it is that all this does is give Barstool Sports an incredible amount of media. All the people that don't know what's going on go in, get more exposed to their product, and they make more fans one the other way. I mean, the fact that Gord Miller is not into Barstool, I don't think is going to change their bottom line one way or the other. So... Um, sort of on the fence on it all. I get some of the people's complaints from way back when. I think a lot of people kind of take advantage of some things that are way back in history to try to describe the company right now. Um, but that's sort of where I'm at on it. Um, although I will tell you, Reem, when I woke up yesterday, I did not think that we'd be talking about Gord Miller and Dave Portnoy going at it on social media. No, that was a, <laughs> a bit of a surprise. So that seems people were asking us in chat uh, to address it. Uh, you just did, and now we can move on because we're here to talk about us. Uh, the Jets getting back yes. at it against Montreal tonight, trying to not maybe turn the puck over. You know, don't want to give up any free pizzas. No free uh, pizzas tonight. That is, you know, there was enough Italian food served up at low cost on Monday night at Bell MTS Place. Uh, today, no freebies. I mean, that it was the game, and I know we'll talk about this with Mike in a few minutes. Um, that was a game that, you know, was right there for the taking. And I thought the Jets did a lot of really good things, especially in the first period and the third period. Um, but I say, I, I, the more I think about that game ring, the thing that stands out the most is just how crazy good Montreal was with their sticks. 
I mean, you had more. And I mean, you can maybe say that, you know, the Jets at times defensively were sloppy, didn't manage the puck well, weren't strong enough on their sticks. I mean, you could say that on a couple of occasions, but when it happens over and over and over again, um, that's a team that, you know, I mean, listen, they're not a huge team for the most part. They do have a couple big dudes. I mean, I mean they're gonna, not going to run all over you, but man, are they tenacious. It was like being surrounded by a swarm of mosquitoes or something like that. You just never knew where to, to whack next. And the next thing you knew, the puck was off the stick and going the other way. So, um, uh, you know, I don't know whether that's much more than a little bit of video work and just talking to, you know, the guys at making them realize that how aggressive and tenacious that those uh, Canadians four checkers are, as well as the ability, especially in the neutral zone, to knock down pucks, not even just on the ice, but in the air. Um, I think all of that, just handling those situations better for the Winnipeg Jets will give them a much better chance to win tonight. Um, but again, as we saw on Monday night, it was a hell of a goaltending matchup between Connor Hellebuck and Carey Price, who both of those guys made big, big saves for their hockey clubs. And we've got a great goaltending matchup. And I have a feeling that uh, of those two, whoever plays better, probably going to have a pretty good chance of banking two points tonight. Yeah, and uh, just a reminder, the Jets are at home, but it is an 8 p.m. start. Just uh, continuing the trend of weirdo start times. It is on uh, TSN 3. Uh, I'm not sure why it would be at 8. Um, I guess there's other Wednesday night hockey on on Sportsnet, which is why they would be, okay, TSN, you can take this time so it doesn't interfere with the other Canadian matchups. Um, whatever. I'll still watch the game 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock. <laughs> Even if we get the weirdo 11 o'clock start time, <laughs> I, I, that's great. I don't care. Great for me. So uh, we'll see. You think time zone, you, th- you think playing in a, you know what, maybe the Jets are just getting ready for tomorrow's 8 o'clock start time, getting ready early for the mountain time zone, right? Ah, uh, yes. Is that our, what it fa- is? our favorite topic, our favorite topic when it comes to the Jets, what time zone they're playing and how long they've been in that said time zone. Well, maybe we'll touch on that with Mike in a minute. A um, couple other NHL notes to get to. Um, Ralph Kruger fired in Buffalo. We'll head to Buffalo and talk to Joe Yurden a little bit later on. Um, and a couple of waiver wire moves. It is the end of the Anton Forsberg era in Winnipeg. What a uh, what an incredible run it was for Anton Forsberg here in the peg. He's off to Ottawa. And I mentioned yesterday being a little bit surprised to see Jimmy Vesey's name on the waiver wire. Um, Jim Benning apparently liked to see that name on that waiver wire because he is now a member of the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, all that we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, Do, of course, have to thank our incredible sponsors, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, as well as Boston Pizza in Winnipeg. And and Royal Sports, man, it is the outdoor headquarters. Spring is here right now, man. St. Patrick's Day. It's nice outside. People are getting outside, and Royal has you all set up. They are your outdoor headquarters for all things spring and summer. Camping gear, wake surf, skateboarding. They've got a new expanded fitness department. The bike shop is open, and all the top brands of activewear, not to mention the best selection of merch, licensed merch in the city. So get ready to get outside and do it with our friends at Royal Sports. And of course, not Autocorp, Waverly, and McGilvery. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price? courtesy of the not team and take advantage of their incredible consignment program if you're looking to get out of a lease find out more not.ca online waverly and mcgillivray pop down and see trevor and his incredible team of people there at not auto corp all right let's get to some jets talk here on winnipeg sports talk daily and we welcome in the first ever repeat guest of the program 
It's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, what's good? How you doing, pal? Two times, uh, three, four, five, however many times you want me back. I'm always happy to be here. Hey, man, we love talking to you. And uh, there's lots to talk about right now, uh, including the beautiful fireplace in the background of the video we actually got you on people can see mike right now and um you know you and ted wyman are having a bit of a fireplace off right now on the video screens of the youtube channel of winnipeg sports talk yeah i think mine maybe brings a little more heat than ted's but we might have to put that to the test you know if if we want maybe a future edition i could get a skewer a few marshmallows and kind of uh maybe make some s'mores while we're on the air here (laughs) <laughs> I'm here for all of it. Um, Mike, uh, you know, probably shockwaves through the press uh, press box today and the, uh, the media group of the Winnipeg Jets. The end of the Anton Forsberg era in Winnipeg. What a, what a run it was. Um, what was behind this move and the timing of it, putting them on waivers when they did? Sort of speculated yesterday that they were waiting for Alex Stalock to be ready to play for the Edmonton Oilers and out of quarantine. So that's happened. But uh, it was the Ottawa Senators uh, right near the top of the pecking order that jumped on Anton Forsberg again. I'm just wondering, Huss, are they having his bobblehead night next season or are they going to wait till he's out of the league uh uh, when they hoist his jersey up into the rafters as well. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, see you later, Anton. We hardly knew you, and we didn't really get to see you at all. I think for the Jets here, uh, guys, I mean, this was a move that the Jets have been carrying 22 skaters really for the whole season, right? Because one of their 23 spots has been taken up by that third goaltender. Uh, you want as much roster flexibility as possible, especially as they now head west for what's going to be a very busy road trip, seven uh, seven games in short order here. Uh, and so the Jets will be able to add another skater to the roster. Um, you, you can get around a bit of that red tape uh, that, that, you know, with the, uh, with the taxi squad, you still have to make the recall and there's a time uh, process involved. So I think this allows you to add another body to the roster. Uh, with Eric Comrie, you know, back in the fold, uh, the Jets, they could take the risk and and expose Anton Forsberg. They didn't want to do that before for the main reason that if he were to have been claimed before they got Eric Comrie back, that left you with Mikel Burden. And the Jets want Mikel Burden playing on the farm. Uh, they don't want him just sitting on the taxi squad. And that would obviously leave the Moose uh, very shorthanded. So now you had Comrie back, you have Burden. Uh, they make the move and, you know, it ends up kind of biting them. What this is going to mean, really nothing for the Jets. I mean, if Anton Forsberg were to have played a game, the Jets were probably in trouble anyways. Uh, if you were to get that deep into the injury uh, into injury uh, situation. But it does mean that Eric Comrie is going to have to come off the Moose roster and go on to the taxi squad. And I guess that clears the way for Mikel Burden uh, to play even more than he was going to be playing with the Moose. So... Uh, it does create that extra spot, and I'm curious to see how the Jets use it. You know, is it Christian Veselainen? Is it uh, is it David Gustafson, who are both with the Moose right now? Or, and I'll circle back to what Kevin Shoveldayoff said the other day that kind of raised my eyebrows, is it somebody like Billy Hainalo or Dylan Sandberg? Uh, I think Kevin Shoveldayoff kind of dropped a little bit of a hint the other day that, you know, before he goes shopping on the trade market maybe the Jets have some in-house solutions they might want to look at on the blue line and 
I would suggest Hennel and Sandberg would be the two that he was talking about. Billy Hennel has been added to the taxi squad from the Manitoba Moose. That was sort of the corresponding move with uh, Eric uh, Eric Comrie also heading over there. Right. Do we read anything into that right now, or um, is that just um, you know part of the way that they're handling the pieces going from Moose taxi squad and potentially at some point in the lineup? No, I think we can read something into that. I mean, for one thing, though, the Moose, they're off now, I think, till the 25th. So the Moose aren't playing. They're just practicing here for the next stretch. Um, so you bring Billy Hinnell in and, you know, he can practice with the big club as opposed with the with the Moose guys. But it does bring him one step closer to getting back into this lineup. He's just played the one game uh, so far this season. And I, I dare say it was a pretty it was a pretty impressive game. Uh, in Ottawa early in the season when he was paired with Josh Morrissey. You know, who might he replace? Like, does he bump Logan Stanley out? I thought Logan Stanley was tremendous the other night against Montreal, so much so that I'd have a hard time justifying taking Logan Stanley out right now, uh, regardless of of who's kind of coming in or coming out. Um, Is it a guy like Tucker Pullman? You know, we did hear Paul Maurice say the other day that not everybody's 100%, and that kind of precipitated moving DeMello up with Morrissey. I do wonder, is there somebody maybe battling something? And so maybe Ville Henela gets another look here sooner than later. And again, if you're the Jets and you're potentially shopping for a, a big name in the trade market, whether it's Matthias Ekholm or David Savard or somebody else, wouldn't it be wise to at least maybe take another look at what you have internally to see you know, if your needs could be met with something that's already in place that wouldn't precipitate, you know, having to necessarily give up an asset uh, and, and you know, hamper your, your expansion equation in terms of what you're exposing, all of those things that would come into play if they were to make a trade. You know, it, it, it's interesting you bring up Hanela and Stanley, and, and I'll go to Stanley for a minute, and I'm interested in your perspective on this. I said this on Monday before the game, felt even stronger about it in the conversation with Billick yesterday. Um, but yeah, the hot take of the week was on Monday that Logan Stanley was going to Wally Pip Nate Bolio in the Jet Blue Line. And, right. you know, we saw that game on Monday. I mean, I... I just think that, you know, the fact that, you know, he's a first rounder, he's done, he's been drafted, he's been developed, he's come up to the roster. We know what he brings and some of the things, the unique things that he has that other defensemen on the Jets don't have. And a lot of those things are quite attractive to a guy like Paul Maurice. I think the way his confidence seems to be growing and the way he's acquitting himself, especially in that last game, I just can't see him coming out of the lineup. Where are you on that? I agree 100%. And, you know, one thing that, to me, he really brought uh, the other night that maybe we haven't seen a whole lot of of him so far, whether it's at the AHL level or the NHL level, he brought a real snarl to his game. Like, he was playing PO'd the other night. That hit that he threw on on poor uh, Jake Evans, I believe it was. I mean, my goodness. Ouch. That was was Bufflin-esque in terms of the impact. And, you know, being in the rink, and that was right down in our end of where the press box is, like, I felt that hit up in the press box. We haven't seen many Jets, you know, lay that kind of punishment out this year. And, you know, I I just saw a lot of things, and you touched on it, Haas, about his confidence. This is a guy who, he's playing pretty fearless right now, but he's also playing very responsibly. 
Uh, fearless can sometimes lead to reckless. I, I haven't seen that. I see a guy who's picking his spots about when to get aggressive, when to pinch. And one thing that you have to love about Logan Stanley, in addition to obviously the physical tools he has, the size, he's got a hell of a shot. And he puts a lot of pucks on net. He gets, you know, he creates chaos uh, by by his hard, accurate shot. And I think the accuracy is the most important thing. And he's not afraid to shoot it. Uh, and that's a good thing for a Jets team that maybe too often uh, they get a little too cute at times, right? If you got a blue liner back there who's just going to pump rubber towards the net, uh, that's a good thing. Well, and- Mike, and just on that on that note, and I think back to Monday. Um, I mean, it, you know, going back to the Leaf series and before, I mean, the Jets have had some of their best offensive success scoring on the rush. And with the top six, like the Jets, bring to the table every night, that's not a surprise. And and even the Lowry-Appleton line has been, you know, creating turnovers. And they've had some success on two-and-ones and three-on-twos. But in the Montreal game, with the tenacity of the Habs being all over uh, the Winnipeg Jets with those sticks, I mean, pickpocketing players and getting in the way of everything, at some point you don't have those same opportunities. And it was interesting to see Stanley, time after time, getting the puck at the net, sometimes on, sometimes there for a deflection. And I think of Shifley had a couple close calls. Matthew Perot had one that he probably lost some sleep after. I mean, some legitimate opportunities of scoring off rebounds off of those shots that honestly that's the way you have to generate offense sometimes if you're not able to uh, do the run and gun high flying two on one goals that we have seen the Jets have success with you know am I crazy Huss for thinking like I I wouldn't mind seeing Logan Stanley get a look on the power play just because of that shot the accuracy of it um you know maybe on the second power play like is there a potential spot Mm -hmm. for him there for a team that maybe doesn't shoot as much as you'd like I just think there's more offensive upside than maybe we thought. There's a physicality there that I think is starting to really come out. And, you know, the reach and and the big stick and all that, those are tools that we knew he had. The big question, I guess, was going to be his foot speed, whether he could keep up at this level. Uh, I think what we've seen of him so far, and, you know, he's not playing a top two role. He's a little more sheltered on that third pair. I just think he's checked off all the boxes and you're right. I mean, healthy or not with Nathan Beaulieu, uh, I just think there's better options right now. And, and Logan Stanley's absolutely at the top of the list. And so, again, if you're the Jets, you had a guy in Stanley that, you know, maybe wasn't really in the plans, but I think he's worked his way into the plans now. What if you have another guy or two already here, whether it's Billy Hanela or Dylan Sandberg, two very different players uh, I, I just think you might want to check that out before you go and break the bank on a trade. And so today's move of getting Hanela up now off the moose with the taxi squad, I will be very interested to see if he does get in the lineup here, you know, in, in the coming days. Well, it is funny. I mean, we're gushing about Logan Stanley and we're talking about these exciting young players to come in. It's kind of hard to talk about the defense without mentioning all the uh, Italian food that was given out for free Monday night at Bell MTS Place. I mean, a dreadful night when it came to turnovers. And just, I mean, turnovers will happen. These ones seem to be more egregious and more costly, ending up in the back of the net. And maybe just a a comment on the performance, but in particular, Josh Morrissey, who, you know, at times has been called upon to do a lot this year. But, um, you know, of all the games this season, it seems like he really had a tough night. 
Yeah, he's he. I, I don't quite get it. I mean, he's fighting the puck so much in both ends of the ice. Like you look even at the 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 play there that that leads to that third goal late in the second period where he bobbles the puck. I mean, yeah, it took a bad hop. That just seems to be happening to Josh Morrissey so often this year where he's mishandling pucks in the offensive zone and then certainly in his own zone as well. And I, I don't know if it's a, a mental thing, if it's a physical thing, if it's a bit of both, if it's just a confidence thing or if he's just having a real run of bad luck here. But, you know, it, it's concerning for sure because Josh Morrissey is supposed to be your number one defenseman, right? He's the guy playing the big minutes. He's he's in that kind of top pairing shutdown role. And yeah, he's had a whole parade of different partners. The latest now being Dylan DeMello, which I think, you know, we, we thought maybe would settle things down a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it was a real kind of scattered game. Now, when that happened the other day, of course, Morrissey was out there with Neil Pionk. That was in the last minute of that second period. Maurice, Paul Maurice was getting Pionk out there, I think, trying to get a little offense going. And it kind of backfired there, right? Because obviously a, 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 an unfortunate play by Morrissey and then a really bad play by Neil Pionk, who, to his credit, was under all kinds of pressure with basically three guys on him. Uh, but, you know, rather than dump it into his own corner or anything else, but throwing it up the middle right onto the stick <laughs> of Tyler Toffoli, uh, you know, that just highlighted there's that picture making its way around. <laughs> so three on oh. Of poor Connor Hellebuck. I mean, if that doesn't kind of sum up the Jets' defensive issues at times this year, the, the Hellebuck versus the world, um, you know, that was that was an unfortunate turn of events for sure. Well, it was it wasn't a good look. You never want to leave your uh, your goalie out to dry on a three on O. I, I did have a laugh. It reminded me of the infamous flying W yeah. five on O against the Ducks a few years ago for for the Winnipeg <laughs> Jets. Uh, but speaking of goaltending, Hellebuck's been brilliant. You know, we kind of talked about him and his value to the team so far this year. I think we can also talk about the performance of Loren Brossois. Uh, but as far as tonight's game goes, before we talk about Jets at midseason, another great goaltending match matchup, Hellebuck who has been so good bouncing back from losses against Carey Price, who, um, to me, I-, I thought Price's play in the first period was maybe the most important thing for the Montreal Canadiens having a chance to up their level of play in the second period and turn that game around despite being up one nothing. Yeah, Carey Price, I think, has run a little hot and cold this year, but I'd say he's definitely trending upwards right now. Montreal made the coaching change, then they made the goaltending coach uh, change as well. Um and yeah, I mean, I, I was curious to see if Hellebuck got the start tonight with the Jets playing a back-to-back here. I assume that means Lauren Brassois will get the call tomorrow night in Edmonton. I wondered if they might switch them and it would be Brassois tonight and Hellebuck tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, goaltending has not been an issue for the Jets and uh, they're going to have to work to beat Carey Price for sure. Montreal, you know, they're a desperate team, right? They hear those footsteps of the Calgary Flames and of the Vancouver Canucks kind of right behind them. And so Montreal has to sort of get it going here. They got a big win the other night. Um, You know, I thought Montreal played well, but I thought for the most part, the Jets played a a pretty good game as well, aside from those fatal errors uh, that really seemed to bite them. So it sets the stage for what should be uh, another good one tonight, officially kind of kicking off uh, the real run to the, the, the playoffs here as we start the second half tonight. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson. Mike, halfway point to the season, um, 
you know, there's been, you know, a lot of good and certainly probably the best thing, you know, in the good column is the record right now at 17, right. nine and two. Um, we've spent all, and obviously we will continue to do talk a lot about those top two lines and the offensive firepower the Jets are bringing. But I wanted to ask you specifically about the Adam Lowry line. The great start that he and Andrew Kopp had cooled off a little bit. We've seen the ascendance of Mason Appleton into a real impact player right now. How, how important is the performance of that third line to the Jets on a night-in, night-out basis? Uh, and the reason I ask that is just even over the past couple of weeks, we've seen where the games where the Lowry line is really going, spending more time in the other team's end, creating things, seems to just totally change the equation for the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to a 60-minute game. Um, it gives you know the top guys a little bit more room, and I think maybe a little bit more team confidence when they're when they're doing that, and certainly not as much on the shoulders of the Shifley and Dubois lines. Um, try to put that into words. Just the importance of the Lowry line, night in and night out, for the Winnipeg Jets on you know with their matchups as well as what they do for the rest of the roster. Yeah, it's huge because, you know, we call them a third line, but in some ways they're almost a second line at times, right? Just in terms of how Paul Maurice uses them, depending on the matchup on a given night, they might be the second line over the boards in a game. They Or they often start periods depending on what the other team is doing. I think they started every period the other night. Paul Maurice had the last change being the home team and he wanted them out against a certain line. And you're right. I mean, I think they're even more important, Huss, when when you don't always have the Shifley and Dubois lines both going on the same night. Like if if Shifley and Dubois lines were both kind of clicking on all cylinders, uh, that would probably be more than enough. But I think we've seen at times, uh, you know, we'd like a little more from that second line with with, uh, Dubois, you know, between Connor and uh, Connor obviously had the two power play goals the other night. But I think they've been a little inconsistent. Part of that might just be trying to still figure each other out. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you need at least two lines, probably more uh, going on a given night to have success in this league. Um, You know, the fourth line is what it is. They don't play a whole lot. That really puts more pressure on the top nine. And so with the Lowry Cop Appleton line, I think Appleton has been the guy that's really been kind of bringing it on of those three lately. Um, and so for the Jets, you know, if they're going to have success here down the stretch in the second half and beyond, they need that third line to be producing, <clears throat> chipping in, obviously, offensively when they can, uh, but even more importantly, just neutralizing the opponent, whoever they're matched against. Hey, just quickly on the fourth line, I know there was a lot of, you know, t- tongue, uh, teeth gnashing when um, Nate Thompson came back and went into the lineup. I, from my perspective, and I think Perot has been a huge part of this, but you know, the fourth line has not been a liability at all for the Winnipeg Jets over the past few weeks. That being said, you do have a couple talented young players in Veselina and in in particular Jansen Harkins, who I thought had sort of, you know, become a regular on the Winnipeg Jets. Um, You know, I know uh, Ken, I believe, was maybe speculating that he wouldn't be surprised if Harkins is in the lineup tomorrow. Um, You know, this isn't about that the fourth line hasn't been getting it done, but do you think that we will see um, some new faces at some point during this very busy schedule going forward on that fourth unit. I do. And and you can do it in a way that it won't be seen as, as punishment or as, um, as singling a, a player out for not being effective. Like you could give 
a Nate Thompson or a Trevor Lewis a night off, right? Especially when you're playing, you know, compressed games. And you could do it under the guise of they're a veteran. We want to get some some fresh legs into the lineup here. We want to keep everybody fresh. And you know that a guy like Harkins or Veselainen or even Gustafson, if he gets a chance, uh, they're going to want to come in and say and and play to the point that makes it impossible for the coach to pull them out. And, you know, I think those guys got pulled out of the roster, out of the lineup, not because of anything they did themselves, just that the Jets got healthy. So all things being equal, if they can stay healthy, I do think we're going to see uh, some rotation happen in the bottom six or the, 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 the bottom 12, I guess, with that third line especially. And I do think, and that's where, again, going back to the original discussion about adding some roster flexibility here, that's where you could get a guy like Veselainen or Gustafson as well with Harkins maybe into that mix uh, and get them a game or two on this upcoming road trip as early as tomorrow night. Um, Mike, you, know, you had a great piece in the Winnipeg Free Press, a look at the high-flying Jets at the midway point of the season. Uh, was it a difficult decision to uh, name Connor Hellebuck the, uh, the mid-season MVP? You know, not really, but I I looked and, you know, there were certainly a few candidates. I identified four of them uh, in in Hellebuck, Shifley, Ehlers, and Neil Pionk. Like, I think if I was narrowing the field down, those would be the four that I would would view. And it's interesting. I did a, I ran a little Twitter poll the other day, had almost 800 folks who voted on it. Uh, Hellebuck narrowly won the poll, but uh, by a considerable margin, it was Nikolai Ehlers who ran second. Um, Mark Shifley actually finished fourth. Neil Pionk got more votes in my very unscientific poll. And I wonder if we almost take Shifley for granted a little bit. Like, he's leading the team in points. I think he's, what, fifth in the NHL in scoring. Yeah, he's not flashy like Nikolai Ehlers. Um, sure, he gets points on the power play and he gets his empty net cookies sometimes. But let's not forget that He's going up against the other team's best night in and night out as the number one center. And look who those number one centers are. It's Matthews. It's McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like, these are not easy assignments. And I almost think we just we just take Mark Shifley for granted. I would have Mark Shifley, I think it was 6% of the vote uh, for MVP, which I thought was really, really low. But yeah, <laughs> me... Uh, Hellebuck, and and we saw it on display last week in Toronto, right? Those back-to-back performances. I mean, those were Vesna-worthy performances. Um, But, you know, Lauren Brassois, and you mentioned him, Huss, like he's been really, really, really good. But I think that's also helped Connor Hellebuck, knowing that you have a more than capable backup that can spell you off and that the team won't necessarily skip a beat. If anything, look at how the Jets played last Saturday. When Brassois was in it, like they absolutely clamped down to the point that Hellebuck was probably wondering where the hell that was the previous two games. Um, and so I think with Hellebuck, there's so much confidence in him. Maybe this team almost plays too loose sometimes in front of him. Uh, but more than often, uh, more than not, he's been up to the task. I'll say this about Brassois. He's had some brilliant games. We think about the shutout in Vancouver, which was a huge win. Um and I'll give him a lot of credit for the game on Saturday night because 
I didn't think he was very good for the first half of the game. I mean, shaky right off the bat, and they got right. you know fortunate with the. Uh, and I think even that long. I don't I have no idea why that review took so long to figure out it was a hand pass. It was pretty obvious to everyone that was yeah. watching the replay. But I think having that happen, getting a couple-minute breather, being able to survive that period, and then I hated the second goal. I think probably Paul Maurice did as well. But to his credit, you know, they give up a couple quick ones. They're down. Um, and then team deserves credit as well because they didn't give a ton of high-danger shots coming the other way. But in that second half of the game, when they needed him to make a save, he did. And the team really rallied around their backup goaltender with the performance that they put on pretty much for the full 60. Yeah, you know, so as we review the first half of the Jets season, <clears throat> for sure, they're still giving up far too many high-danger chances. We, we've seen the, the fancy stats, the analytics. I will say this, though, Huss, their last two games, including the loss the other night to Montreal, offer, I think, a little bit of hope. Like, they only gave up three high-danger chances at 5-on-5 five five against Toronto. That was that was remarkable. Incredible, to be honest. I think they had given up 34 at 5-on-5 five five the previous two games. <laughs> And I believe I looked the other night. I think Montreal only had 10. Like the Jets, I think, had a dozen. The Jets can live. They, if they're only giving up 10 high dangers in a game, that's a pretty good number, I think, for Winnipeg because we know that they don't need a whole lot of their own to connect. Um, and so if you could limit the opponent to something in the range of 10, we know the quality of their net mining is probably going to bail them out and they're going to come out on the winning end of that. So I'll be curious to see tonight and going forward if the Jets can start to get that number under control. And let's face it, it was getting out of control uh, not too long ago. The 7-1 loss to Montreal and then the first two games in Toronto. This team was bleeding chances against. They've, they've, they've taken two steps in the right direction now. Let's see if they can string a whole bunch more together. Um, Mike, pleasant surprises of this season. I'll put Logan Stanley in that in that group, and I think you know the way the narrative has changed around him from the off season in the last four years to right now is um, it, it's a fun conversation and it's a happy one for the Winnipeg Jets for all the right reasons. Um, but you talked about Matt Perot and Matthew Perot to me, especially over the course of the last month or so has been playing with the fire that we remember earlier on in his um, time here with the Winnipeg Jets. And it's a difficult situation for a veteran player like that in a contract year, relegated to the fourth line on a pretty good hockey club. Um, But to me, the resurgence of Perot and the contributions that he has made right near the top of the list with pleasant surprises, um, depending on how shocked you are that Neil Pionk has done what he's done so far in the blue line this year for the Jets after what he did last year. Yeah, I think, you know, we touched on Mason Appleton for sure. He's right up there. He's taken his game to a whole new level um, and good for him. Like, you know, you wonder, Huss, if if Jack Rosovic had come to training camp, if that trade doesn't happen, Mason Appleton's probably not even getting a sniff of the top nine, right? Jack Rosovic is probably in that spot. And so Mason Appleton, I think, has made folks forget about Jack Rosovic pretty quickly. Uh, Neil Pionk for sure. I mean, Lauren Brassoise had a really nice start to his season. Matthew Perot, absolutely. Like, look, let's face it. He's still not a $4 million player, but he was never going to be a $4 million player, not at his age, not, you know, with his declining speed and, and some of the health issues. But I will say he's been a very useful player for the Jets, uh, and they're getting, you know, real good production out of him. A guy that any team could have had for nothing other than paying his salary, of course, 
when the Jets put him on the waiver wire. Let me throw one other name real quick out there that I, I, I frankly, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, and that's Paul Stasny. You know, he's 35 years old. He's basically adjusting to a new position now. He's really never played left wing before. He's got nine goals. Like, he's fourth on this team in goals. Um, you know, over a over a full season, like, Paul Stasny's trending towards a 25 to 30 goal season. Uh, and so, <clears throat> as a guy that I, I think a lot of people thought, well, there's no way they're going to get the Paul Stasny of 2018 back. And while he maybe hasn't been the Paul Stasny of 2018, I will say the Paul Stasny of 2021 is still a pretty good hockey player and one that is contributing in a lot of ways to this Jets team and is a part of uh, of their success. Um, one other name that gets mentioned a little later on, but I will throw in, at least from my perspective, on one of the, the most pleasant surprises of the first half season has been Derek Forbort. I mean, hands up if you had him playing regular heavy minutes in a top four pairing alongside Neil Pion coming into camp. And when you think about what the team paid to get him, Mike, um, that's a pretty good bang for their buck in a cap world. It really is. You know, that that's that was one of those sneaky good free agent signings for sure. Wouldn't have moved the needle one bit, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time it happened. But, you know, I, I thought when they signed Forbert, I just thought, okay, he's a guy who will – He'll be the Anthony Potato of this year, right? Like Me he'll too. Be the, or the Lucas Pisa. Like he'll be battling, and if they run into some injuries, he'll play. But if I figured if 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 uh, Derek Forbert's playing a regular role, then the Jets are probably in some trouble. Uh, never did I expect that he would basically be handed that second line spot uh, with Neil Pionk. But my goodness, he's made a lot of us sort of eat our words. Anybody that was critical of that, and in fact. He isn't in a second-pairing spot, Huss. He's in a first-pairing spot. I now, whenever I tweet the line rushes and, and that, <laughs> I now list the Forbert-Pionk pair as number one because in my eyes, they are. Uh, that is the pair that Paul Maurice trusts the most. That is the pair that's, that's the only consistent pair, uh, and that's the pair that you know is often out there against the other team's best. So in my eyes... Like Derek Forbert is their number one left defenseman. And yeah, that is a development nobody would have seen coming. Mike McIntyre has been with us. Mike, before we um, get out of here, let's get back to tonight's game. The Jets, um, maybe the best stat of them all, not losing back-to-back games in regulation. Can they do it again? What do you expect to see tonight when the puck is dropped at Bell MTS Place? I think it'll be another you know tight-checking, probably low-scoring game. Uh, Montreal is still very desperate. And, I mean, the Jets aren't desperate by any means, but they they want to obviously get a good result tonight uh, before they embark on what's going to be a tough test uh, playing, you know, an Edmonton team that needs points and then Calgary and Vancouver teams <clears throat> that absolutely need points. Uh, so there's not an easy matchup uh, to come. And, you know, they get right into it 24 hours after this. Mike, always great having you on the program. Let's do this again real soon. Enjoy this game tonight. Love the piece today in the Winnipeg Free Press, and we'll look forward to reading all the coverage of tonight's tilt and uh, tomorrow's game in Edmonton in the uh, in the Fish Wrap and online as we uh, go forward through the week. Thanks for doing this, and we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Take care. Thanks. Great stuff. There is Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. I'm sure you're already following him, but if you aren't already, give him a follow on Twitter. 
Uh, Mike will be uh, there tonight, Bell MTS Place, for that 8 o'clock puck drop with the Jets and the Habs. No lineup changes tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll see pretty much the uh, exact same uh, lineup rolled out, same line, same defense pairings, and the same guy in the pipes. And that, of course, is Connor Hellebuck. Great to have Mike McIntyre join us. We're going to talk Winnipeg ice in just a couple minutes with Jake Heisinger out in the bubble in Saskatchewan. We'll uh, once again thank our sponsors, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Nick has Diakow. Congratulations to Nick, by the way. Got a new house up by Breezy. Hopefully we'll see him on the golf course sometime this season. Um, of course, their DQs, DQ Northgate, Polo Park, Niverville, and St. Anne's. Every time I, I mention the DQ read, everyone goes nuts in the chat about, oh, I got to go get a blizzard. So if you're going to do that, hit one of Nick and Nikki's Northgate, Polo Park, Niverville, or on St. Anne's. Again, that was, I always thought it was a seasonal one. It's not. It's open now, a little earlier than normal, and you can get that amazing Ultimate Grill Burger there as well, along with your ice cream. And of course, it is game night. Why not get ready for puck drop tonight? With a Boston pizza game day meal, the spicy pierogi pizza, meteor pizza, 24 case of wings. Hard to imagine a better spread for Winnipeg Jets hockey than from our friends at Boston Pizza. You can get those pick up, dine in if you'd like. Obviously, you still have to be with family members inside or household members inside. Patios are open as well, so you can get outside. And um, no matter whether you pick up, get it delivered at bostonpizza.com, the game day meal, you cannot go wrong. All right, well, we talked a lot of Jets. We will go to Buffalo in about 15 minutes and talk about Ralph Kruger's demise and the end of his run in Buffalo. But right now, let's head out to the bubble and check in on Winnipeg's WHL team, with the uh, Vice President Directi- of Ho- Director of Hockey Operations, Jake Heisinger. Jake, what's going on? It's great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? Hoss, thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. We had a great start, incredible support. You can see how much people care in this city about being able to uh, talk and chat about their favorite teams. And, um, you know, it was a great time to get going with it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of excitement about the Winnipeg Jets playing. And, uh, you know, we got into week two and... Uh, your boys are back on the ice. Uh, if, uh, first of all, how are things going in the bubble? And maybe for our listeners, take us behind the scenes on the last couple of weeks as you got the team together after you know this incredibly long time off um, and getting back on the ice for this twenty-four game season. Yeah, no. Well, first off, uh, you know, glad to glad to have you back on. Obviously, it was uh, you weren't away for too long, so um, you know, I uh, I think. Uh, I'm no different than a lot of Winnipeggers. I uh, I like listen uh, listen to you guys share your thoughts and um, you know whether whether I agreed or, or didn't didn't agree didn't matter. I, I miss uh, listening to you guys, so it's good to have you back. But Thank you. Uh, you know what? It's been good. It's been um, you know the first week kind of in isolation was I think um, you know tough tough on everyone. Obviously, uh, it's not uh, not not what anyone wants to be doing, but it, it's obviously um you know what has to be done right now to 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 play and um you know we got through that that first week and now uh you know we've uh i guess we practiced for for about a week to to i think it was nine yeah maybe closer to nine or ten days and now um you know two games under a belt and a game here uh in a couple hours so um you know what it's been it's been good it's been uh very unique but it's been uh it's been fun uh, you know, not to spend too much time on everything that is behind us, but 
I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, everyone's been affected by the pandemic, but, you know, hard to imagine, you know, people more impacted than, you know, kids that did miss their high school graduation, or in this case, young hockey players with these incredibly important years of development with their hockey dreams being put on hold. Um, how how have the, the, the young men on your team, how have they handled the past year? And how challenging has it been? Um, and I guess, aside from that, how exciting was it for them to just get back together with their teammates and be able to do what they love? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think, um, you know, no, no secret. It's been, uh, it's been challenging for everybody. Um, you know, the players, it's, it's been, it's been obviously challenging for them. You got everybody, um, you know, everybody's kind of in a different boat, uh, whether it be, you know, a player's 20 year old year, their, their NHL draft year, um, you know, their first year in the league, it's, you know, everybody's kind of, in a different boat. So I think, um, you know, it's obviously been challenging. I think, you know, our, our coaching staff uh, has done a really good job leading up to this, um, keeping everybody in touch through Zoom and uh, having different meetings and conversations just to, uh, you know, just to talk and stay connected. And, um, you know, I think the kind of second part of your question is, um, you know, how excited is it was everyone? Well, everyone was, it was, you know, thrilled. I think, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of weird. Everybody is so excited to see everybody when we first got here. And, you know, you're kind of passing passing guys going right to your room. You can't even stop and talk. And, you know, you almost, you know, you want to catch up. You feel like you haven't seen them in so long. So, um, you know, it was the, the, the first uh, the first kind of interaction with everybody in person was a little bit weird because you couldn't stop and talk. You're just passing, going the elevator right to your room. But, um, you know, now that we're kind of through that phase, I think everyone's really enjoyed uh, enjoyed being around each other. All right, before we talk about the start on the ice and the game coming up and everything else happening, just give us, um, you know, whether it's a game day or a practice day, just give us a day of what your players are going through. When are they on their own? When do they get to see each other? I mean, what's a, what's a day in the life of a Winnipeg Ice player in the bubble like right now? Yeah, so I guess it, it kind of depends. There's there's two game times, 4 and 8 o'clock. So um, we our first two games were, were 8 o'clock. Um, so we, we have breakfast in the morning around 8 eight eight thirty um and then a morning skate and then um most guys will come back we'll get a we'll get a uh pre-game meal on us and then you know everybody will kind of head to their room and and uh you know stay there until until game time and um same thing i guess for the four o'clock game just everything's kind of kind of pushed up and then um you know on on a non-game day we practice in the morning um you know have our have our three meals throughout the day and um you know outside of uh outside of the rink you really uh you know you really don't don't see anybody so um yeah it's been it's been you know fairly uh fairly unique for sure but um you know i think uh everybody really cherishes the time at the rink and and uh, the time we can all spend together uh, Jake Heisinger is the uh, director of hockey ops, the vice president of the Winnipeg Ice, joining us from the bubble in Saskatchewan. Um, so one and one so far. I mean, it's a it's a real sprint. Only twenty four games. Um, how do you like the first couple games from your team? Yeah, you know what? I think you know all all the way around the league. Uh, well, I guess our division. Um, you know, it's been uh, a lot of close games. Um, you know, I think everybody's starting to you know kind of get their feet in their hands uh, back. Obviously. You know, some guys haven't played for for a long time, and um, you know it's 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 challenging jumping jumping right into it. No no uh, exhibition games, and um, you know, but I think 
I think we'll start to see here over the next week or two. Um, obviously, you're, you're pretty much playing every second day. So, um, you know, two weeks from now, you I don't know what the number is, but it's probably another eight or nine games. So I think you'll start to see, uh, you know, everybody get there get uh, feeling more more like themselves but um yeah i mean it's been good a lot of guys are you know have had some good performances and i think um you know i, I can speak for our team i think we're just looking forward to uh you know see, seeing the guys out there and and uh the opportunity for them to uh develop even though it's a shortened season no doubt you know i was speaking with our pal kevin o who's uh involved with the radio broadcast along with mitch peacock for the winnipeg ice games this year and you know, I was joking to Kevin. I'm like, dude, there's nothing that makes you feel older than seeing a kid born in 2005 score a goal <laughs> in a league. Um, Zach Benson, pretty exciting. I mean, first of all, exciting opportunity for a 15-year-old to even be able to play because of the circumstances. Tell us about this kid and uh, what he's shown in two games so far and uh, how he's fitting in with a bunch of older players. Yeah, you know what? He's been, uh, I mean... Real impressive. Um, you know what? It was. It's obviously a unique year. A lot of a lot of guys aren't playing, and um, you know we were able to bring in our, or I guess everybody was able to bring in their their uh, first round pick from last season, and um, you know so we you know we thought it'd be a good opportunity for Zach to come, and you know we really weren't sure what to expect. Obviously, uh, like you said, he's 15 years old and um, a unique situation for him. But uh, you know, I he played his first game and. Um, you know, you could, you, you could really tell he was comfortable out there and, and making plays and, um, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't afraid to get in the corner and, and, um, you know, dig for, dig for pucks and, um, showed a lot of good things. And then, yeah, in his second game, he, uh, you know, obviously had the goal, goal and assist, but, um, you know, had a lot of chances, probably could add a few, few more. So, um, yeah, really exciting player. And, um, you know, was certainly really happy for him to, to get rewarded for a start here. Now, speaking of 15-year-olds, I guess it was about three years ago, um, back on Pembina Highway, the Hockey Manitoba guys brought in Carson Lambos, who was one of the stars of the program of excellence at the time. And we got a chance to meet him before he, you know, even gotten to the Western Hockey League. And, you know, we've kind of watched him blossom into a top draft prospect. Um, and that kind of goes to our conversation to kids in their draft year, what they've been going through for. But, um, you know, you guys put out a release today. I guess he's coming back to Winnipeg to, to handle some, uh, have a medical procedure. Um, so, I mean, we won't get into that. Obviously, there'll be updates provided when uh, when it's available. Hopefully, everything's good with Carson. But from a player standpoint, for people that are listening to the program right now, um, tell the people that aren't familiar with Lambos how an impressive young prospect he has been and uh, what he's turned into in a short time with the Winnipeg Ice. Yeah, no, Carson's, uh, you know, he, he's as complete a uh, player as you'll see. Um, you know, a guy that can play, you know, play half a game, play against the, the other team's top players, uh, run your power play. Um, you know, re- really, a, 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 like I said, a complete defenseman. So, um, you know, he's he's really starting to, um, you know, develop uh, every part of his game. And, you know, he's going to have a, have a real bright future. And I think, you know, what makes Carson so special is obviously his, his on-ice attributes are, um, you know, very impressive. But uh, the kind of person and the kind of teammate, uh, leader, you know, those kind of things that maybe everybody doesn't see, um, you know, Car- Carson, you know, he's one, he's an assistant captain at, um, you know, 17 years old and, you know, a guy that is looked up to on our team and, 
Um, you know, certainly I, I think, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a complete package on and off the ice. You know, without getting into the nature of what's going on, do you expect him at some point later on this season, or is this something that might be a little longer? Uh, I'm unsure on that. Okay, no problem. Um, Jake, hey, before we finish up, uh, tee up a uh, big game tonight, game number three at 24. Yeah, no, we play uh, play the Blades here tonight. So, um, yeah, it'll be good. A couple uh, couple guys getting their first uh, first action here this season. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, everybody's kind of looking forward to uh, building on the uh, the win a couple nights ago. So, should be a good one, and um, you know Saskatoon's a uh, a good team, so it should be uh, you know good competitive game, and um, really looking forward to it. Well, I'll tell you what, it's just great to see uh, the young men of the WHL uh, here in Winnipeg, Brandon, everywhere, just getting an opportunity to play after everything that's been missed. Um, uh, we'll be following you guys from one province over, wishing you luck, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon, Jake. Uh, all the best to you in the Winnipeg Ice tonight and throughout this season. Okay, Huss, thanks for having me, and keep it up. Perfect. There's Jake Heisinger, VP and Director of Hockey Ops for the Winnipeg Ice, joining us from the bubble. Um, It's an early game tonight, 4 o'clock, and coming up, uh, I guess next week, I talked to Kevin O today. He's going to come on. We'll talk a little bit more ice, catch up with him. A few of the other uh, old 1290 boys coming on in days to come as well. Um, Well, we spent a lot of time talking about everything happening here in Winnipeg, but there is a huge story in the National Hockey League that has been sort of getting worse and worse over the past few uh, the past few weeks uh, and it culminated in the firing of Winnipeg native Ralph Kruger as the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres and uh, you know for the last number of years whenever we want to talk things going on in Buffalo we bring in our old pal the noted jerk himself <laughs> our pal Joe Yurden. Uh Joe welcome to the program it's great to talk to you again dude Huss, it's nice to be face-to-face with you finally here for, for the first time ever, I think. No doubt. Yeah, a lot of phone calls over the years, but the first time we've <laughs> utilized the incredible technology available to us. And shout out to Michael Remus for uh, making this all happen and getting us on the air. But it is great to see you. Um, I imagine for anyone that has any connection to Buffalo hockey, he'd probably prefer we were talking about things other than the Sabres, but... Here we are again, Joe. I joked that this is year 11 of a five-year plan, and it's frankly stunning to see where things have got to right now. I mean, before we talk about the firing and, you know, and where the team is at right now, um, you're in the community. You're connected with you know, thousands of Buffalo hockey fans every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, maybe this is the payback for such a great season for the Bills. I don't know. But um, <laughs> how, how are people just dealing with uh, with it right now? Not being able to go to games, maybe that's a fortunate thing considering well, what the team's put forth on the ice so far this season. I tell you what, if uh, if the the whole thing with the Sabers was to help make the people bigger fans of the Bills, uh, mission accomplished. I think it's <laughs> I think it's working working great. Um, people are paying a lot closer attention to Bills free agency news than they are what's going on with the Sabers because every Sabers game day, it's it's just like is the coach still there? Is he still? Is it still? the same as it was it is okay fine and then people are just be, if they are watching they're doing it begrudgingly um which it's a bad place to be in but this is uh this has been a fun slide to hell really the last few years with oh. with this group just because it's you know i'm i'm writing a piece for die by the blade where i think the line that i'm working with is the uh, biannual tossing of the coach so it's uh 
it's it's getting weird here, man. It's every two years the uh, the coach gets gets sent packing and and they start anew. But I mean, this is uh, I, th- this is even more stunning than than you know the tank seasons, just because you knew they were trying to lose in those years. This year. I mean, they go out and sign Taylor Hall, and you're thinking, "All right, hey, maybe if things break right, they'll they'll be able to do things." But nope, <laughs> nope. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for them, from injuries to getting COVID from playing against the Devils to just literally everything. Like the puck just not going into that. I mean, you might as well put you could put a shooter tutor in there, and they'd still find ways to not score. <laughs> Joe, um, you know, I think Ralph Kruger is a, an incredible person, a great man, one of the mm-hmm. most interesting people in sports, period, that I, I've spoken to uh, in the past. Uh, it's not shocking that he was going to take a bullet when the team is doing what it is doing. But um, from your perspective, how much is the how much was it is the coach um, and how much is it um, just an absolutely horrible situation at pretty much every single level of the operation? I think it's it, it became a level where it's it it it, fe- it falls on the coach just out of a lot of bad luck. Honestly, the, this team has the worst shooting luck of any team in the league this year, and you know people are asking more out of Jack and and Reinhardt and Hall and Skinner and all these guys to produce more. And I understand that the raw numbers are terrible, uh, but it's not without a lack of of shots and scoring chances. There they've had a ton of those. Um, whether it's meant running into a hot goalie every now and again. Or just, you know, pure dumb luck, <laughs> you know, just, you know, just having shots at the post or, or whatnot. Um, all of these things have, have culminated into them just not scoring. What what also doesn't help is that the goaltending has been bad. Linus Allmark gets hurt and, you know, you're, you're relying on Carter Hutton and Jonas Johansson to try to steady the ship and they haven't. And the defense has taken huge step backs this year. Um, you know, for all for all the good things that people were talking about, Ristolainen, he was the one who was affected worst by COVID. Uh, Jake McCabe gets gets hurt for the entire season, gets knocked out for the year. He was, ha- you know, he's having another great year playing under playing under Ralph. And you know, but the the younger guys, guys like Darlene, guys like Montour, guys like uh, Yoki Haru, have all slipped back tremendously uh, under Ralph's tutelage here, and uh, that all points to the systems and the defense. And that's probably also why Steve Smith got sent out the door as well. So, um, but they need to get all of those guys playing better. I, I know in Montour's case, he's a UFA to B, but, but you need Yoki Hari, you need Darlene to excel and you cannot, could not stand by to watch them just continue to falter and, and struggle as badly as they have. Now, Joe, um, you know, I remember when they made the change in the off season with the general manager and they brought in Kevin Adams and to many people, it was sort of thought that, you know, this was the Sabres kind of handling the upcoming season by going on the cheap. They, you know, got rid of a number of people in some pretty important positions in the organization and didn't really replace them or amalgamated spots. And, you know, Kevin Adams was not really on the top of many people's list to be the next general manager in the National Hockey League. Um, is he the guy that can be trusted to be the one that turns this around in Buffalo going into what could be a pivotal trade deadline for a floundering franchise. Well, whether whether he can be or he isn't, he is. Um, that's that's the spot they're in. Um, that's that's the guy who the the ownership has put in position to trust to try, to try to get things figured out. And uh, you know, he said today that you know he is looking for an assistant general manager. Which I mean, hey, we asked about that when he was hired. You know, why why not why not get a guy then? Uh, which. You know they didn't, and I think you could you could 
stem to reason that Ralph Kruger was the, was the acting AGM as it was anyways. And, um, you know, in Kevin's case, I mean, yeah, this is, this is an unenviable spot to be in. I, and I said that before the, before the seat, before, you know, right after he got hired, I said, this is a, this is an awkward place to be in because you got to get it figured out with Jack. You got to get it figured out with all these guys. You have to get the, the, the team steered in the right direction because if this continues to, to go south and what well, I did not expect this to go this far south, <laughs> we're talking Antarctic at this point. Um, but they're, they're basically it, in hell right now. They're that yeah. far south, Joe. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've gone inward instead of just to the other pole. They've gone, they've gone completely underground, but, um, but if you want to get this turned around, I mean, you got, there's so much you had to do. I mean, I don't think anybody argue with getting Taylor Hall. I think when Terry Pagula said, he believed that that was a move to get them a Stanley cup. It was like, let's pump the brakes here. You feel it. You're feeling high about the bills. I get it, my man, but like, let's, uh, let's not, let's not get too excited, but, um, but you're really looking at like a two year window here where, you know, Jack's no move clause kicks in after next season, after, at the end of 22, you know, 21, 22, I don't know about you, but if they have another absolute stinker of a, a season next year, I don't know that I want to be having that postseason meeting with Jack and having him say, listen, my no move kicks in on July 1st. I'm a saber until then, until after that, here are the, here's the three teams I'm willing to be traded to. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, the Eichel situation is sort of the, the elephant in the room because he is a star player. I thought he was one of the best in the league last year and didn't have a lot of other help. That sort of led to the Hall signing. Um, and I think why there was some real, I think, legitimate expectations that this team, well, not going Pagula, you know, hoisting the Stanley Cup, but could be a contending team, could be a team like, you know, for a playoff spot. And, and listen, they with the way that the divisions were put together, they're in a kind of a tough neighborhood. Um, but despite all of that, we're hearing more and more, Joe, that Jack Eichel could potentially be, you know, a trade piece going forward. Is there any possibility in your mind that that happens this season or would that be something they'll consider in the off season or not even in the off season, just right before his no trade kicks in? Like they'll kind of give as much runway as possible for Jack Eichel before he's dealt or has the situation changed? I th- I think honestly, I think firing Ralph at this point helps that out along. Uh, and I think it will depend on who, who ultimately ends up getting hired as coach, um, how that discussion ends up being handled uh, but I think right now that that I think all that discussion gets gets put on pause uh, just to see who the next guy is that that leads the charge because if you get a guy in there that that turns it or turns it around and, and and takes advantage of all the talent this group has um, why would Jack want to leave there's a lot of there's a ton of young guys and if they you know it seems like I know on on, a, on first blush, it seems like you can get this turned around really quickly uh, with this group, and it, that seems like the right way to the right way to look at it. Obviously, there's a lot more work that needs to be done under the hood uh, in other parts of the in other parts of the organization, just with you know player depth and and all that. But um, but I, I I think right now a lot of that discussion just gets gets put on hold just because. You need to know who's the, who the next guy is going to be, you know, and if it's if it's going to be somebody from outside the NHL ranks, you know, like I know there's Nate Lehman interest. I know that Scott Sandlin at Minnesota Duluth is a guy that's that's been discussed before. Uh, so is Lehman. Uh, but if you're going with, you know, guys that were still, you know, that are pro coaches, you know, if Bruce Boudreau comes in and works some of that magic that he had with the Capitals in the wild to 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 kind of steady their ships, I think that's a good thing. 
Um, but if you're, but if you end up bringing in, you know, some, some, you know, some real hard ass guys in there, if, you know, if Torts gets fired by Columbus and they want to go back to the old, the old, uh, organizational route, you know, Tortorella used to be an assistant coach in Buffalo, uh, back in the day, if they want to bring him in, then I don't know, maybe that discussion changes, changes for the worse again. But, um, but yeah, I think as far as moving Jack, Get the right coach, and I don't think you have to worry about it. Get some wins. You don't have to worry about that being the case anymore. Jack wants Jack loves playing in Buffalo, um, but obviously you got to think about you got to think about your own future if if the if all you're experiencing is losing. Well, no doubt. And to be honest, from Kevin Adams' perspective, um, I don't know how much better you get by trading Jack Eichel. I, no. I think it's it's pretty hard <laughs> to win that trade, um, and that you know in some ways might be. You know, that'll be the signature move that he made, which leads to another firing and another guy coming in on that. Yeah. I want to get back to Darlene because, I mean, he came in with such fanfare. I mean, the number one overall pick. I mean, right from day one, you saw the incredible talent they have, the skating, the way he moves the puck. What has all this losing done to Darlene and where is he at right now? How much is he struggling through this 12 game losing streak? Well, it's not just a 12 game losing streak. It's this entire season. And for most of last season, uh, in Ralph's system, uh, and I, I, you know, you know, listen, Ralph's smarter about everything in the world than I'll ever be (laughs) about anything, including hockey. Um, but whatever system and whatever stuff he's been trying to do with Darlene to, to make him a more well-rounded player hasn't, has, has failed miserably. Um, you know, I look at what he did under Phil Housley in his rookie season, what Darlene did, and he was doing stuff that nobody had done since Bobby Orr. Nobody had done since Phil Housley, um, since Phil Housley played in the NHL. Um, that kind of stuff, that kind of raw just ability to create offense is something that teams fiend for. And that's exactly why he was the number one pick. And it seemed like Ralph's whole effort the last couple of seasons has been trying to hammer a square peg into a round hole and say, no, you must be a better, you must be better at defense. You must be better at, you know, doing all these, these other things that classic defensemen do. And, you know, he was able to get through that stuff to Jake McCabe and, you know, he started getting through with the Tarista line and until COVID came along. But, um, but at what cost does that come for a guy like Darlene where you're telling him like, hey, instead of mixing it up on offense, how about you slam on the brakes to the blue line and just worry about getting back and doing, you know, your gap control and, you know, your your D zone awareness and all this stuff. It's like, you know, I, I get it. You maybe not want to have that guy turn into an Eric Carlson like Eric Carlson was bad where you question his defensive abilities. But I don't know if a defenseman's getting you 60 to 70 to 80 points a season. I don't really give a damn about what is what he's doing defensively so much just because he's able to control the game by possessing the puck and getting you points. But um, but that's so much of the, the criticisms he's faced this year. And I believe me, I get it. And I completely understand. I can't judge what he is going to be for now until we see who the next coach is and how he performs for them. Because right now it just seems like Ralph was trying to do everything wrong with him and none of it, you know, none of it worked, none of it applied to him. And it was just, you know, one of these, one of these things where it's just like, wow, I I don't know who this player is that is playing for them now who we saw even two years ago. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We are live with Joe Yurden in Buffalo covering the Sabres on the firing of Ralph Kruger and the Sabres' 12-game losing streak. Um, tell us about the new coaching staff. I imagine this is an interim basis. I mean, no big decisions being made long-term anytime soon in Buffalo? 
Yeah, yeah. Don Granado's uh, the one of the you know, well, one of the handful of guys from the the current staff that stayed over. Only Steve Smith and uh, Ralph Kruger were were fired today. Uh, but Don Granado takes over as the interim head coach. He's he's been around a bit. He's coached in the USHL. He's been an assistant for a while in the NHL. Uh, he'll get a, he'll get more of a taste here with with the head coaching position uh, with uh, Matt Ellis and Dan Girardi as his assistants. Uh, Ellis and Girardi have both been. Uh, sort of like skills coaches, development coaches within with the, with the pro ranks. Girardi was a very recent hire for them. Uh, but Ellis has been with the, uh, with the Sabres and in Buffalo for the last few years. Uh, I know in previous seasons, he was being used as like their skill, like specifically as a skills coach uh, to help guys refine themselves and, and do that. Uh, everybody, you know, myself included loves Matt Ellis. <laughs> I mean, he's one of the most genuine guys in, in hockey. Uh, that I've ever come across. And, uh, you know, Dan Girardi, I mean, I look back at his career playing for the Rangers and then the Lightning. I mean, you wouldn't find a, a more dedicated defensive defenseman than him. I mean, just, you know, shot blocking king, physical guy. And he's still really young, which I think is going to help this crew out a bit uh, in, in trying to coach them up a little bit. But, um, but, but these are guys that have been already, that were already in the organization. I mean, Mike Bales is still going to be here. Uh, a few of the other uh, assistant coaches and depth coaches are still here. So uh, not an entirely new crew, but, uh, <laughs> but certainly some familiar faces for, for some of these guys I'd be interested to see what, how much changes in the message and how much changes in their style of play with these guys in charge for the moment. Joe Yurden in Buffalo with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, Joe, I'm a positive dude. I, I'm hoping we can end this on a positive note, as difficult <laughs> as that might be when we're talking about the 2021 Buffalo Sabres. But is there, other than the fact that this is only a 56-game season as opposed to a full 82, and the fans haven't had to see this, has there been any silver linings for the Buffalo Sabres this year? Well, I'd I'd say if there's a silver lining, I would I would point out uh, Dylan Cousins. I think he's I think he's played outstanding. Um, you know, the, the, and I I honestly believe that for the development they were trying to work with him, they were doing it the right way uh, instead of throwing him right into the fire as as like a number two or number three center. Um, they started him off on the wing, had him play with Eric Stahl. Uh, on the wing for a bit, played him with Eichel on the wing, just kind of just letting him feel him feel his way through and, and get get his feet ready. And, you know, it was very unfortunate he got hurt uh, last week because he was he had gotten a chance with Eichel out to play on that top line as the center. And there was some immediate chemistry there with Taylor Hall and with Reinhardt. I mean, easy to have chemistry with guys like that. But for a guy his age to be able to jump in and, and look not out of place, I think that's really encouraging. Um, but he's just one part. <laughs> that's it. That's just one part. And uh, that, that's, that, that's something that's nice to see. And you know what, honestly, I'll throw in a little tiny attaboy to Casey Middlestat. He's been beleaguered by, you know, just criticism and everything for the last couple of years. Uh, when he got brought back in the lineup and put on a line with Jeff Skinner, granted they were playing like third or fourth line uh, for Ralph, which is, you know, it's his own criticism, but, um, but that line looks, looks very good for what they are. And it seems to have kind of woken up Skinner a bit. So we saw a little bit of that last night uh, against, against New Jersey uh, where he was, you know, he was yapping and, and getting in guys faces. So, when you see Skinner running his mouth at guys and scoring some pretty goals, that's nice. Yeah, it's been uh, too few and too far in between after uh, putting up 40 and getting that big contract. Okay, I lied. Mm-hmm. Last question. Um, how <laughs> active do you think the Sabres will be at the deadline? Uh, will we see many guys in new homes by uh, early April? I think we'll see probably a 
probably about three or four guys with new homes. Um, I would bet Stahl gets traded somewhere, you know, valuable veteran. I, I could see that happening. I'm not so sure that Hall will move um, just because I think, I think Taylor really likes playing in Buffalo. Um, but obviously if, if a deal comes along, that's too irresistible, then what are you going to do? But uh, I'd say those two and then Brandon Montour is another one, but they, again, you know, they might want to get a better look at him outside of uh, outside of the touches of Steve Smith and, and Ralph Kruger to see what they can, what they can do erstwhile uh, playing, playing for somebody else or just in a different, different means of playing defense. Uh, Joe, man, great to catch up. Great to uh, see you live and in person. And I will say um, we're now into week two of the new show. And without mm-hmm. a doubt, you are the best sounding guest we have had. Huge <laughs> props on the mic. You've obviously uh, you've been living a Zoom life for probably the last year. So you, you've done this a few times. Yeah, I had, to, I had to step up and get a new microphone because the uh, the in laptop microphone was was not doing it, man. It was it was making it sound like I was I was recording out of a closet, uh, and a closet that had no acoustics whatsoever. So yeah, a new mic was was necessary. I'll tell you what, it's been great to catch up. Let's do this again soon, Joe. Uh, all the best to you, uh, even if you uh, have to continue watching what's happening with the Buffalo <laughs> Sabers night after night. Yeah, we'll do, Huss, and uh, good luck with, with the new show. Love seeing it. Let's see hey, you guys back. We appreciate it. There he is, our old pal Joe Yurden. Give him a follow on Twitter at Joe Yurden. Does um, just a great job covering the Buffalo Sabres. Been a great friend of uh, our program back on Pemina Highway and uh, um, now our go-to guy for all things Sabres. And, yeah, I mean, you just feel brutal um, for pretty much everybody involved. And even the Pagulas. I mean, I think, you know, as far as owners go, I mean, I don't know how involved they are, but I mean, you certainly can't say that this is a group that didn't do everything they could in their minds to help their team win. I mean, they spent a ton of money. They just did it um, on the wrong guys. Um, That Skinner contract might be the worst in the National Hockey League right now, and there's a lot of bad contracts. But I mean, $9 a year for eight years, and I think he just scored his second of the season. I mean, Jack Eichel even, and listen, I love Eichel. I think Eichel is a superstar. And I'd have him on my team, and I wouldn't even care that he's making the $10 million bucks. Um, But, I mean, even Jack this year, ask anyone that's had him in fantasy. I think he was on pace for like an eight-goal season. I mean, that just simply cannot happen. And you feel terrible for Ralph Kruger uh, because he is a, a really interesting person and a great man. Um, but I don't think anyone was surprised after they dropped their 12th straight game in New Jersey to a team that had lost 9 of 10 and 11 in a row at home that something would be happening. Uh, all right, let's bring Remo back in. we got to get to our cool bet lines of the day and get ready for this game tonight. Um, how's everything going behind the scenes there, Remo? Uh, any other uh, – you sell anything over the course of the past half hour while I was talking to Jake and Joe? No, I've mostly just been uh, conversing with everyone in chat it was great to talk with Mike McIntyre about Jets MVP. Uh, like he said, I think Hellebuck clear MVP, maybe Ehlers and Pionk, but Mark Shrifley, uh getting very overlooked there. I'm not sure why. Very quietly uh, leading the team in points. We did talk about biggest surprise for the team. Uh, some votes for Appleton, Stanley, and even Pionk as well, I think has been even one of the uh, best defensemen. Uh, Are you with was, me I that think, for like under the radar forebort? I mean, as far as biggest surprises, I mean, you know, he's sort of gotten to the point where you don't talk about him a lot. You just assume that you're going to see him out there playing maybe 20 minutes a night. I mean, uh, that pairing has been so good, and I know Pionk gets a lot of the the credit and the accolades, but I mean, man, for a one year near league minimum deal, um, that's about as good value as you could have for a one year contract in my books. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, definitely great value. And he's been very solid and reliable. And I agree, you don't think about him. So, uh, yes, forward as well. I don't think it's been a surprise, but Lauren Brossois has really bounced back to where he was two years ago. I think he had a bit of a, a down year from that last year. But, um, I mean, he's been amazing. And every time he plays, you're like, this guy should play more. He's been he's been great. So he's, he's done his job. And I'm sure we'll see him uh, tomorrow night in Edmonton, assuming just because it's a back-to-back. Yeah, you know what? And as far as Appleton goes, I mean, the only reason why I don't put him on the, the, the most pleasant surprise list is that I've been banging this drum for Mason Appleton to get more opportunity and to play with the guys, those guys since last season. And um, now, I mean, maybe there's a little bit more offense, but I, I am not surprised that he has fit in so well um, playing specifically with Adam Lowry, even when Andrew Kopp was playing up in the top six. So um, we'll see tonight. Uh, thoughts on tonight's game. And by the way, if you're in the chat right now, do us a favor. Make sure you hit that like button in the YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, you can help us out by uh, just going to the bottom of the Winnipeg Sports Talk feed, giving us a five-star rating, and uh, maybe pop in a little review. Um, that certainly helps as well. Um, but before we get to the lines, Reem, um, what do you think? What are you expecting tonight? Um, you know, we see another strong first period, like the the Jets had last week. Um, this is a big, big game in that you know the Jets are only three points up on the Montreal Canadiens, and a Habs win in regulation would move them to within one of the Winnipeg Jets after starting this uh, two game series five back. Yeah, I, I'm going uh, for Jets win. I don't think Hellbuck's losing what three in a row to Montreal. I don't think that happens. So I would lean Jets, but maybe that's just the homer in me. But I think you're seeing that with teams where, you know, you, you win one, lose one. Uh, so, I mean, follow the same game plan as last game or last two games. Just, you know, don't turn the puck over and you should be okay. Uh, 8 p.m. start. Will that, well, I think that's going to affect Montreal. I mean, probably not. <laughs> they, they did win, what, like the 11 o'clock local time start in Vancouver before, so... Uh, I still I lean Winnipeg. We were on them, uh, what, the other day? We are like, how are they underdogs at home? Montreal came in a one. I would go back uh, to the Jets tonight. Well, speaking of that, let's get to our daily lines for Cool Bet Canada. And uh, the Jets, once again, a home underdog a again. And, you know, when you combine the fact of where they are in the standings, the games, and listen, both these teams have six points head-to-head so far this season. Um, in five games, Jets have won three, the Habs have won two, lost two in overtime. So it's been pretty much a split. Jets have been a very good home team so far this season. And I think maybe the most important stat that I think every Jet fan hopes continues is if they've lost a game in regulation, they haven't done it twice in a row. So Jets plus 105, home underdogs tonight. Montreal minus 125. Before you get all over me in the chat for doing it in American, here are the decimal odds. Jets 2.05, Montreal 1.80. That is our main line of the day, focusing on the Jets, but we do have a couple other pretty interesting games in the North Division. Vancouver 1.67 at Ottawa 2.27, home underdogs. And then the Battle of Alberta, 2.08. Are the Oilers on the road in the Saddle Dome? Calgary at 1.78. This is a huge game tonight, Reem, in that the Calgary Flames um, are on the verge of getting on a bit of a streak to begin this run with Daryl Sutter. They got both of those wins against the Montreal Canadiens. They won the first game of this set against the Edmonton Oilers. A fourth win in a row 
in regulation would be huge for Calgary. And I heard Luch yesterday on uh, Overdrive, I think, and you know they're starting to feel it right now. And there's a belief in that Calgary room that Daryl Sutter is exactly the guy that can turn thing turn thing around. And uh, I would say this is a big game for Calgary, an equally big game for Edmonton before they host the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night. Yeah, that, that's true. You look at the standings right now, Calgary in fifth, 31 points. Edmonton in third, 36 points. Calgary's got two games in hand, but they want to make up some, some of that ground right now. They've been playing well against Daryl Sutter. They seem, or sorry, for Daryl Sutter, they seem re-energized. Uh, and again, I think Edmonton is kind of weak in terms of, of depth. I like Calgary. I think you know, they've mixed around some of the lines, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Maybe Calgary can uh, ride it out, but a big, uh, a big night for games in the North Division. Although that Vancouver Ottawa is kind of the, you know, not impacting any of the playoff races. <laughs> oh man, great stuff in the chat today. Thanks to everyone that has joined us. And again, hit that like button. And, for, and by the way, we're finishing up right now. If you are still with us uh, live on YouTube, uh, hit us up with your game prediction in the chat right now. We can go back afterwards and see who the real swami was for uh, tonight's game. Um, and do want to remind everybody, if you haven't already, go to our Twitter page at Sports Talk WPG or the other socials. Click on the link and join our free March Madness bracket. That gets going tomorrow, so you have to get your picks in tonight. And uh, we'll have some great prizes from our wonderful sponsors, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, not Autocorp, Waverly and McGivery, and of course our friends at CoolBet for the March Madness bracket. So we get after it tonight with the Jets and Habs and get back at it tomorrow. Remo, tomorrow's going to be a great show. Um, obviously, working at TSN all those years, we weren't able to get together with the Sportsnet guys. Um, and when Kenny Weeb went over there, we didn't talk to Ken for about the last six months. We had Ken on last Thursday and before, and we're going to have his partner on Kenny and Rennie. Sean Reynolds join us tomorrow. Perfect time to recap this series against the Montreal Canadiens and then get ready for game night tomorrow as we talked about how busy this schedule was. Not a lot of time to sit around and think about tonight's game because they'll be on a plane getting ready to take on the Edmonton Oilers, who we just mentioned play Calgary tonight on Thursday before a rematch on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, back-to-back, 8 p.m. start times. Looking forward to talking with Sean Reynolds tomorrow. He's always, or those guys, uh, him and Ken, grinding out on YouTube. So check out live from Kenny and Rennie. And uh, you mentioned, you know, our socials. Yeah, I just put in the chat the March Madness bracket. It's on our Twitter. We just hit 800 followers on Instagram, Sports Talk WPG. Nice. Same, same thing on Facebook. We're moving up, but not quite as many. So if you have Facebook... Uh, give us a like on there. And someone in the reviews of Apple Podcasts was wondering, how can they watch this live? If you're listening to this, uh, just search Winnipeg Sports Talk on YouTube or go to winnipegsportstalk.com. All the links to our socials are are there. So uh, hopefully that person gets this message. I don't know how to reply to reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's shockingly, it is shockingly um well organized. All the social medias are there. Pretty much the same thing. Site. And by the way, we have to thank everyone, Reem. Um, just when it comes to the YouTube in particular, I've just been blown away at how many people. I, I kind of thought there might be a few people that would watch it live, but the vast majority of people would be consuming this on podcasts. And I think that is the case. But the fact that we're you know consistently in around 300, 400 people watching the programs as we do it has been amazing. Um, and it's helped us graduate in the world of YouTube in a very short period of time. Yeah, we're moving on up. We just hit 3,000 subs we got 142 likes on this video. There's 248 people in here. Uh, we need your help. 
So make sure you hit that like button. And uh, it doesn't cost anything. It would be, be great to see a couple more likes on this yeah. video. And some of our uh, other videos, like CFL videos, uh, getting some uh, nice uh, viewership as well on those. So uh, it's, it's pretty awesome to see uh, all the support. And we did have some fun yesterday uh, posting on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the incident at the end of last <laughs> yesterday's show. The Tyler Myers growth chart Facebook marketplace yeah. sale incident. Yes, a- another Tyler Myers. <laughs> yes, Ex- exactly. In, a, in an incredible, a incredible moment in uh, in Winnipeg Sports Talk daily history. Um, also tomorrow on the program, warm-up listeners um, will love this. My guy Jeff Feinberg's back. Now, normally we would talk earlier in the week and we get some golf picks, but Feinberg's going to come on. We will talk a little PGA Tour, but we'll also talk NFL free agency. There's been so much going on over the last few days. Um, Feinberg, an absolute beauty, one of my favorite guys to talk to. So that's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. But we'll start it off with an extended conversation of with Sportsnet's Sean Reynolds discussing tonight against Jets Habs and tomorrow with the Jets beginning their series against the Oilers. And on Friday... Um, we've got a great show as well. Dustin Nielsen will join us from Edmonton. We'll talk Jets, Oilers, and uh, the big guy, Jim Toth, as well. Although I did tell Jim he's getting bumped if Dave Poulin can join us. Yeah, d- and if that's Dave's the case, good for Friday. Okay, Jim, you're bumped. Live on the air. Jim will join us on Monday then. So that actually is great. What an awesome Friday to get into it with Dusty and the great Dave Poulin. All right, well, Remo, that's about it. we got to get these podcasts up for everyone driving home today. Thanks to you for doing a great job as the CTO behind the scenes. And a very busy show. Thank you to Mike McIntyre. Thank you to Jake Heisinger. Good luck to the Winnipeg Ice tonight in their game against Saskatoon, game number three of the season. And, of course, our old pal Joe Yurden joining us from Buffalo discussing the end of Ralph Kruger's tenure with the Sabres and Buffalo's 12th straight loss last night to the New Jersey Devils. Folks, that is going to do it. Thanks to everyone who joined us live on YouTube. Thanks to everyone listening on their ride home. Remo has a few more things to sell on Facebook, so we'll get him out of here. I'll get ready for the game tonight and maybe a little St. Patrick's Day cheer. Everyone have a fun, safe day. Be well, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, 1 p.m. live on YouTube in your podcast feed at 3 o'clock on Winnipeg Sports Daily here on the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.